our coach used to be like, no one's allowed to wear the tampon. <laughs> and so <laughs> I actually never used that thing. And whenever somebody would even ask me that, I'm like, like yeah. in my mind to this day, I'm like, I'm not using the tampon. I noticed like when you and I talk, Omar, uh, we get mm -hmm. into like the whole philosophical morality, even like a uh, conspiratorial kind of things that would be described as conspiratorial, but we know it's okay. fact kind of thing. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I noticed Bilal doesn't really have much to say when we do get into those topics. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> which might be smart on his part, honestly, because uh, this is recorded. But <laughs> when we go to prison and they throw us in Guantanamo. Yeah, they're really going to be like that one day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the fuck out of the country, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because we were talking about like passport bros and all that. And we actually had a guest last week. She's from Ethiopia. She sounded completely American. It was crazy. It's like apparently a lot of Ethiopians actually go to a private school where they teach English and stuff, and they sound just like us. It's wild. It, it's crazy, actually. My friend, he's actually marrying an Ethiopian girl. She's like, I came from Ethiopia like three years ago, and he's like, I would have never thought about that. Yeah. yeah, the way she acts, the way she talks. I mean, globalization is real. It is. It's real. I didn't realize, because I thought the whole fob thing would be like a huge barrier, because cultures are different, language is different, and then coming to America. But if they're, if they're already trained on Western culture, well, maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> trained on Western culture, or at least can assimilate, that makes the transition a lot easier. So then... I'll say, the I'll say this about that. Sorry for cutting you yeah. off. But I, what I've noticed is that like, it's a blend. So they're not completely Westernized because they still have certain traditional values that they hold unless they've gone through the university system and they've completely abandoned, you know, uh, I would, I would honestly say their religious morals, but if they haven't, it's, it's actually a beautiful blend of West and East. So it's like, I still hold certain traditional values where I view gender normative things to be that exactly, you know, norm. And, uh, but at the same time I'm Westernized. Like I, I I'm into media, I'm into pop culture. I understand what's going on. You know? Oh, interesting. So it's the university that fucks up everybody. Yeah, you know, like they, yeah. they brainwash. They do. Yeah. It's crazy. Because even people who you would think study something that is unrelated to like the sociology and psychology stuff that a lot of people end up getting brainwashed through. It, it affects everything in the university. Yeah, universities are dangerous places for the mind. I think people forget that like everything, including the hard sciences, like... It's done by people and people have a moral foundation. And so if liberalization, if liberalizing you and making you, you know, like think a certain way and feel a certain way and it becomes like your whole identity, like it's going to affect everything around you. Yeah, definitely. That's why you're here, bro. You're fighting the good fight. I'm trying, dude. I really am. <laughs> but you know what? I'm finding out that a lot of people I think are on the same wavelength as us, especially with the TikTok stuff. I've been doing these Ooh. lives with people. And okay. yes, yeah, people might have some disagreements, but I can make cogent arguments. And I guess I'm entertaining enough that people stay watching, which blows my mind. Like the guest we had last week is someone who watches our live every week, have another one lined up for that also watches the live. And 
although we might disagree on a lot of things, we can still find commonalities. I think if people were just more open-minded instead of as dogmatic as some people tend to be, especially if they're heavy into politics, then there's, there's flexibility in, in our compatibility, I think. What conversation do you think is the most like polarizing that you have with people? Talked about yay a few times. Usually someone comes in like, what do you think of yay? <laughs> I'm like, I give my honest opinion. <laughs> like, dude is pushing the culture. I respect that. He's you the go. Yeah. <laughs> you can disagree with him as much as you want, but it's like, here's the thing. I think it was Jordan Peterson who described people as like a school of fish right? There is no one fish by themselves. And they all move together. And the natural tendency for an individual is to be in the center because that's the safest place in the pool. And I think it's the Kanye's, it's the, it's the people with the most influence who are outspoken, who are directing which way the school of fish are moving. And so mm-hmm. far, it's been one way in, I would say, a more degenerate way. And then Mm -hmm. there are people who are trying to force it back into maybe a better direction or a different direction. It's hard work and it usually comes at heavy sacrifice because you might get eaten because you're at the edge of the, you're at the edge of the the school of fish. So, Mm -hmm. but with that analogy, like if I can help steer the school of fish in another, because I think most people are highly suggestible, you know, like they will adopt whatever is typically surrounding them. Like we are a product mm-hmm. of our environment, even us sort of rebellious types, even us like being alone is hard, especially when everyone is going one direction and you decide, you know, like I think you mentioned it once when um, in the last call that you were on where um, you face some challenges, some personal challenges about staying, deciding on the vaccine, your position on the vaccine. And exactly. it's tough. It's tough because you're, you are basically that fish by yourself. But I think building a community, or at least I, but I suspect there are a lot of people out there who are like us. We're just not connected to each other. And that's the difference. The, the media, the institutions that control the airwaves and what connect us and social platforms have an interest in not con- preventing us from connecting with each other because we are counter to what they, they believe. Yeah. So I think this is where decentralization can really come in. Or at least building platforms or communities that, because um, I think people, I think innately feel there are things that are wrong, and mm. but maybe struggle to vocalize it, or maybe even fear being alone, which totally understandable. It's human nature. You don't want to be ostracized from uh, the community, and I think it's harder on women, especially because they are more communal and social. So that's why, like women who decide to go against the grain and do what they believe is right, even different from everyone around them, are like very special. That's incredibly rare. It's, I think, more natural for men to be rebellious. But yeah. for women, it's much, much harder. Because we're taught competition. It's, it's innate in us to be competitive. And like, you know, I feel like that kind of helps us think outside the box. Because when you're constantly fighting and struggling to, you know, make something of yourself, it's easier to kind of like, like, I think, for example, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but with myself, I kind of think outside the box because of how much I have to struggle and how much I have to struggle within a box. And so I'm like, no, that's just not going to work for me. But yeah, kind of like what you said, I think with women, it's, it's like, there's this intrinsic value that they have. So it's, it's like, I don't have to be anything 
uh, different. I just have to be good enough to fit in. And once I fit in, everybody will take me as I am. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like the struggles that men and women each face that maybe the other doesn't understand. Like, I think mm-hmm. the average woman doesn't understand the male experience at all. Like, mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind how ignorant a lot of women are. Not even on the science, too. Like, apparently some women believe men and women are physically equal, which blows my mind. It reminds me of this, like, uh, one Reddit post I read where it was on relationship advice. This guy was explaining how he and his girlfriend used to play fight all the time, and he would just let her win all the time because it wasn't a big deal. But one day she got a little carried away. He wasn't in the mood to deal with it that day. So he just straight up pinned her real quick, (laughs) which she never experienced before in their entire relationship. And it blew her mind. She was like, are you serious? Wait, is that how strong you really are? And he's like, yeah. And so wait, so this whole time we've been play fighting, you just been going easy on me? Like it blew her mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so like, even like a, a podcast I'm listening to, the Red Flags podcast, be like, you know this one, F1 podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they invited a comedian guest. She explains how she's pro-woman, like, you know, one of those like mm-hmm. women power kind of people. And she's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it'd be there's women can compete with men in Formula One and stuff and all that, which if you don't know the sport might make sense because it's just driving a vehicle. Right. Mm-hmm. But. If you do know the sport, you realize it's heavily taxing on the body, especially the neck, especially the neck because of the G-forces that you're dealing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there was a, this season, there was a driver, DeVries, who, who was a substitute driver for somebody who got sick. Mm-hmm. He wasn't racing regularly, but he's a very, very experienced driver. And after one race, his arms, his neck was completely dead because he hadn't had the training. And so I was thinking like, if you put a woman in one of these cars, she would have to be on steroids to keep up with men and also do a bunch of training. Yeah. And so this comedian on the podcast was explaining, oh, yeah, they could totally do it. It's like they do not understand at all. And it blows my mind. Well, they live in a safe world. I don't think this is a problem in third world countries. Like, Mm. I I really don't. I don't think women in third world countries ever are like, oh, a man's stronger than, I mean, I can be stronger than a man. I think it's in countries where, you know, you're allotted safety and you live such a safe life. And it's kind of like, oh, well, I, I was taught that I can do anything he can do. But in reality, no, we have roles. And the reason why we have these roles and the reason why we're set up a certain way is because uh, we're supposed to do different things. And I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that, like, we're constantly teaching women that they have to be like men. Like, if you're not equal to a man, you, then you're lesser than a man. And I think that's wrong. I think it's, it's like we should teach equity, not equality, you know? Yeah. It's just, and I don't know if there's, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know many women that can bench three plates, bro. Yeah. But I know a lot more men that can, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It is, it is kind of wild. Like I, safety. I think that that point you made about safety is really, really important. Cause I think it also shapes like, like I, largely speaking, Americans and other Western countries don't really have real problems, at least compared to like some of the developing countries in the world. And so like, because it's so safe and we're and things are so abundant, at least relatively speaking, we invent problems. Yeah, and we and and it just and so like I see this stuff sometimes on social media. I'm just like, you know, gratitude is I think the thing that's missing for both mm. genders. I mean, like 
we don't have gratitude for where we unless maybe just a trip to Africa is enough to like put some perspective into some of these people. Because I'm just Very like, cool. you guys have no clue how bad the rest of the world is. No clue. And uh, well, let me ask you, do you think how much longer do you think America has? Damn, <laughs> that's a tough question. I don't know. It seems like it's on the brink of collapse all the time. Right? Man, <laughs> I've, I feel like we're done. You, think you know so? what's weird? Uh, it, it, it's the thing that's making me feel that way is that I'm noticing people. This is going to sound weird, but like I'm noticing people from other countries that generally would, you know, respect and praise America, talk down on America, talk down on Americans. And I'm like, oh, damn, I think this is our decline. Like we're, we're, we're getting ready to go. And, and I mean, it's not just that. It's also everything else that's happening in the world and in the country. But yeah. that social one really, really made me be like, oh, shit, I think, I think uh, we're on our way out. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I look back in history. So it does feel like it's always on the brink of collapse, especially if you're on Twitter and you follow certain people, which maybe that's my problem. I think part of it. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm sure generations before us felt the same way too you know mm. like when think about when women's suffrage some men what they thought is like okay this is the end of the country if women vote well i mean i'm not gonna lie there has been <laughs> some maybe there are some negative consequences from that or like um <laughs> <laughs> no because it you have to, again with the whole gender thing like women yeah, prefer yeah women do prefer safety over over freedom they always will. Naturally, that means giving up power to the state. So generally, it's no surprise the government's gotten bigger. But aside from that, like, yeah, I'm sure like in the past or like World War Two, I'm sure everyone's like, it's over. It's over. Cold War. It's over. You know, or economic collapses that have happened in the past. I'm sure people are like, oh, this is the end. America's over, you know. And yeah, are we about the number of years where democracies fail? Yeah. But I also do believe in American exceptionalism in that when things are bad, we somehow have a way as a, as a people to figure things out. Now, I think there are some people who are just always going to get in the way of making things great again. <laughs> 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 but that's fine as long as there's enough people who dream of a better future and are willing to make the sacrifices and work towards it. Now, part of this is a cultural battle. And part of this is a technological battle. We have to dream for a better future. And there are a handful of people. That's why Elon's like a goat. Because it's just like, regardless of everything, you can hate the guy. You can say whatever about whatever he's doing. But he's building the future. He's at least trying. He's at least trying. Uh, at least technologically. And then Ye is like pushing the culture. He's pushing the culture. I can respect that. Even if there are people on the other side of the aisle who were, I don't even know if they're legitimate a lot of the time. I think it's just mostly pandering and, and but maybe that's just my bias speaking. Mm -hmm. But as, but I think part of the American experience is the discourse and disagreements that we have. The conflict is, I think, built in. It's in the nature of our government. The branches are supposed to fight with each other. Now, there yeah. are problems when they cooperate. So I don't like how the judiciary is making laws from the bench or how Congress has abdicated the power because it's easier to secure your congressional seat when you don't actually have to make any decisions. And then the presidency, that depending on who's in office, sometimes things are bad, sometimes things are good. And then it's just like, all right, there's no consistency here. 
that's a failing of what it's supposed to be, which is branches of government fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. And so when people talk about like, oh, yeah, we're very divided as a country, I'm like, that's fine. Di- division means we get to exchange ideas and compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also get to try a bunch of things. I think the A-B testing nature of this country where it's just like, hey, if you're bold enough to try something new, yeah, you, high likelihood of failure, but you might just be an uber success. And, you know, a lot of countries with a lot of centralized control, you can't do that. And so yeah. it's, I think... Oh, it's a really interesting point you're, you're making because, like, you're right. If you look at a lot of other countries where they don't have the freedoms that we do, uh, compete thoughts and ideas are not something that is really normal but in america you can be literally whoever you want to be and you can argue whatever you argue and i think that's part of the beauty of this country and and like you said i think that's the the purpose of that is to keep control you know in the kind of control in that not one person can manage i mean and run everyone and abuse everyone but it's like no i can have an opposing thought and if i feel like you're stepping over the line i can check you for that yeah I think that's part of the reason why I entertain conspiracy theorists, because I'm like, it's just exploring an idea. And I don't think ideas are inherently bad or good. It just depends Mm -hmm. on the actions that come from them. So to me, it's like, yeah, he might have an idea. That's why, like, I know people, I've had conversations, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe, why do you entertain conspiracy theorists? I'm like, because one, they're entertaining, okay? They're they're far more interesting (laughs) people. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Like, I don't need to hear the basic mainstream bullshit, okay? (laughs) No, tell me the guy who believes we didn't go to the moon. I want to hear those ideas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I want to hear about the mermaids. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. Is Loch it real? Exactly. Yeah. I want to uh, hear that. <laughs> yeah. I think they just even, it's also a better story. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. Way better. <laughs> exactly. Way better story. It's like, there's no reason why we can't be entertained, you know, and also exchange ideas. Like, you don't have to agree. Yeah, I don't know, man. And also, this world is so big. Like, like yeah. what if you tell the truth? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I heard, I heard this interesting one. This guy thinks that, I don't know his name, uh, but he thinks the pyramids were built with sound. So mm-hmm. he was like, yeah. <laughs> so he was like, humans would sing at a certain frequency, and that's how they carry these rocks, you know, that are... Because, I, I mean, I never really looked too deep into the pyramids, but it, it seems like... I guess because of how perfect everything is placed and the fact that it's made out of limestone, so it's extremely heavy. So like what kind of technology was used? And if there was a particular technology that was used, how come we can't find any remnants of it? So like people have so many different theories. So this guy was like, <clears throat> you know, I think it has to do with sound. And he was he was explaining that there was some sort of like, I guess, pictures. So when people gathered together and like some and like now there's more and more people believing this. So, like, I saw this one TikTok where a guy had this giant, I don't know what it's called, but it's almost like a flute, but it's really wide mouth. And he's making this really loud humming sound. And he puts a, pe- a little rock into a foil and the foil starts floating. But it's a really little rock. It's like almost like a pebble. It probably is a pebble. And so he's like, look, see, we can make things float with sound. And I was just like, this is kind of weird, but I, I wonder, I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm just like, kind of interesting i mean all right so sounds crazy it sounds but, like crazy yeah so i have a lot of doubts but i'm i'm thinking like so i do have an aerospace degree and technically mm. 
if you think because sound is just the movement of air right okay so or the the vibrations in air so it is movement of air but it's at a frequency and that's what you're hearing is sound uh but if you think like an airplane instead of air moving past an airplane an airplane is moving past air clearly you can lift an airplane that's true so i can understand where they're coming from thinking that sound at least if you if you take the whole idea of movement of air you can use the movement of air or any fluid really to move large heavy objects now sound is a stretch is it's actually you know yeah no i i agree i mean even the demonstration uh that the guy did i was like man this is like a pebble like you're talking about (laughs) a three ton you know uh like brick and you're you know you're trying to make the argument with the pebble like i don't think this is I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if someone just like started this idea as like a joke on 4chan. Like, <laughs> let's see what we can get people to believe. But the thing <laughs> is, the, the guy who was talking about it spent his whole life researching this stuff. I could, I could probably send them to you. Uh, it's really, it's he spent his like life on it. Like he's like he's like yeah, no one wants to listen to me. And the problem is, he has some legitimate claims. Not not about the sound. Talks about things in the Amazon and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. this sound thing. Bilal actually showed me a video of his uh, about DMT and uh, I think using it for um, like health reasons or something. Something about DMT. Have you heard anything about DMT? I don't even know what DMT is. It, it's basically kind of like a psychedelic. So mm-hmm. like it puts you in a certain state of mind. They're trying to use it medicinally now so that you, you can have like, I don't know, certain visions uh, in your mind yeah. and stuff like that. Remember that, Bilal? Is that like, yeah. is that like ayahuasca? Uh, you know what? Ayahuasca, I think they're in the same family. Weird that you bring this up, though, because uh, <laughs> a friend of mine gave me some edibles. I, I actually requested them because I was going to do a podcast edit, and sometimes they could be a bit of a drag. So okay. I was like, all right, let me let me take some of these edibles. And it didn't seem like much to me uh, until I put it in my mouth, and I realized I didn't take, like, three edibles. I took six. Oh, it's weird how it happens, man. But I was like, all right. So 30 minutes pass. I'm like, oh, okay. It's just a mild thing, whatever. And then all of a sudden it starts hitting me. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm not going to be able to get any work done. <laughs> so I was like, just to be safe, I just went in my bed and just like, I guess I had to ride the high out. But it was like the most high I've ever been. And I'm just like, this is dangerous, man. This <laughs> is dangerous. How did it feel? Yeah, because like my body was so relaxed. It was so relaxed that sort of worried that I would forget to breathe. Okay. Yeah. So it made breathing difficulty. Yeah, dude. It fucking blew my mind. You know, like it's, it's, it's like waves, waves of like paralysis, waves of paralysis. So like it would just come on, swell up. And then all of a sudden I can't move. I feel the urge to move, but I, well, I, I felt the urge to move because I was worried I couldn't kind of thing. And then... It's sort of, if I could describe it, it was like, you know how when you go to uh, Dairy Queen, the ice cream cone that they dip into the chocolate and it makes that hard shell mm-hmm. on it? Yeah, so like when that wave of paralysis would hit me, it'd feel like there's this thin shell around me that's holding me. And then um, I would break that shell kind of thing. And that was the feeling I was getting. And it was actually a pleasant feeling, not going to lie. And I actually mm-hmm. felt, and then I, but... Obviously, I got really thirsty. Like too dangerous. Yeah, too dangerous, man. Because it's like, 
Like I had to, I was really worried that my body was too relaxed at it. And plus, I don't know if there was like swelling in my sinuses or whatever, but breathing through my nose was difficult and my throat became parched. I think that's a common thing when you, when you get high, but um, yeah, it was the most high I've ever been. I'm like, dude, this shit's dangerous, man. What kind of edibles were they that you took sick? They were gummies. A friend just put it in a baggie. I didn't think it was six. And then until I put it in my mouth and I separated them and all the gummies, I'm like, oh, okay. We'll see how this goes. And I was like, all right, committed. It's in my mouth. <laughs> I probably should just spit some out, but <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be this crazy. It's like wild. I don't yeah. know. You got to be careful with those things. I felt some, somewhat similar like that, but uh, I, could, I could move more easily than mm. what you described. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, people are, like, taking this at work. People are taking this at the when they drive. There's no way you could be taking this and drive. No so, way. So yeah, what do you I know, think about I know. people who are, like, I could drive hard? Bullshit, dude. Unless they're, like, t- built up a tolerance. I don't know if you can build up a tolerance to it, but, like, dude, if it's what I felt, obviously, maybe I just went a little overboard. I definitely went overboard. But And I don't ever want to be that high ever again. I don't. Maybe I won't even touch this stuff anymore. Is that this is like, it was that bad, huh? It wasn't even bad. It was just like I don't know. I just don't like the idea of not being in control of myself. Yeah, losing control. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I don't understand how, why how people are comfortable getting faded publicly. Mm. That mm. just blows my mind. It's like, and it's, and it's usually women who just can't handle their alcohol. I'm just like, what the fuck? Do you realize how dangerous it is? Not only because you you don't control yourself, but you trust the people around you in a public setting. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I think, a comment to, like, people feel way too safe. Yeah. No, dude. Nowadays, they just call it victim blaming. I'm like, no, there is some prudence you have to exercise here. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think it's ridiculous when, uh, you know, people are like, I should be able to go. That comes back to the safety, you know? I should be able to go anywhere I want and do whatever. No, nowhere in the world is it like that, you know? Bad people are going to take advantage of you if they can so, like, stop pretending like there's no such thing as bad people. Yeah. Maybe it's a problem with, like, this idealistic view of people. Just like, oh, everyone's just pleasant. Maybe if your ex- entire experience as a woman is, like, everyone's just friendly and nice and you get free shit all the time. No wonder you think the world is a nice place. No wonder. Because that's all you've ever experienced. And yeah. then the, there are exceptions where there are bad people. I don't know. I guess it's men. At least the male experience, like, you have to earn your place and respect is earned like there's a difference between like the way women define respect and the way men define respect like women think it's just given actually if you look up the definition at least on google it actually gives you two definitions the primary one is the way men think of respect as in it's earned it's something you're worthy of respect it's something that is gotten from people for accomplishing or doing something um and then for women it's just something that is automatically given and so there's these disconnects between the genders, I think, is like, and that's why I think men struggle to communicate with women sometimes, because, you know, we can be very overt and direct. And a lot of their communications is subtle with based on context and, and subliminal, whatever. And there's this divide and somehow we're supposed to be compatible. And so if there was a better understanding. But that's why I think facing equity is so important rather than equality, because when, when we live life with this understanding that, okay, we are different. Now let's figure out, you know, battle of the sexes. Mm-hmm. It will make for a better world where, okay, if I am straightforward with you, you're not going to get so offended because you understand this is my nature. Or if you are elusive, 
I have a better understanding of that and I'm willing to accept that from you because you're willing to accept, you know, my differences. But I feel like today, instead of doing that, we're just like, no, you guys are exactly the same. Everything's the same about you. And uh, anything less than that, you know, like they're just being sexist. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but growing up, when you're walking down the street as a man, you just feel like I felt always constant, like, oh, man, you know what? Like, if I stare at somebody incorrectly, it's going to go down. And maybe I want it to go but yeah, like, it's like violent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I felt, even to this day, I feel more of a violent, like, I feel the world is a lot more violent. And uh, I was watching this TikTok where this dude, right, he walks up to someone, and this guy looks like he's really passive. And, and he is very passive. But something inside of him came out. So the dude goes up to him and he, and he does the fake farting on him, right? It's hilarious. So the guy turns around and he's like, did you really do that to me? And he's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, you know, if this was a different time and I was a little less civil, like, I don't know what I would have done to you right now. And you could tell inside of him, he just wanted to, you know, just lash out, just, just, I'm going to beat the hell out of this. Maybe even kill him just for farting on me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how men are. That's like just how naturally we are. We, we have this like, yo. We walk around respecting people, but if there's disrespect, it's got to go down. But with women, it's kind of like different. They, they're like, oh, no, I will overtly disrespect you. But like, you shouldn't put your hands on me. Shouldn't touch me. Shouldn't do anything to me. That's crazy. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? I don't know if yeah. you feel that way. No, I think there is this underlying, like, there's this underlying urge that I think most men have where we do crave combat in some like carnal sense and yeah there is this underlying threat of violence between men that women don't understand they don't get it and it blows my mind that's why they do act out is like oh you're not gonna hit me whatever or that's why they can pop off and not even think about the consequences because like yeah most guys won't hit you but one guy might and the one punch can kill you it's crazy they don't i don't know like, uh, I think a lot of women, I think internationally, I think what you mentioned before, how internationally women, they understand. I think they have a better understanding of men and women and the relationships and differences between us. Maybe because they were raised that way, but it could just be a cultural thing. But it seems like the Western women don't understand that. That's how men interact. That's why you don't, you're not just randomly disrespectful to other men, because there is that threat of violence at all times. I mean, and, and I think if you think of like different countries, right? Like, forget, forget, because like, I know what I'm going to say. Most people are probably going to think Middle Eastern countries, probably like I, w- I would say even Latin African countries in Caribbean, right? If, if I start, you know, uh, if a girl starts going crazy on me and I whip her ass, the police may not show up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they may not come. So the woman is like, yo, or I think that a lot of it's also like the family. Right? If you harm a, a, a female, the family gets involved. So it's more like I have to be careful because there actually really isn't an authority there. But like in America, a woman's like, well, I'll just call the cops if you hit me. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll just call the cops. So the threat of 911 is always there. Whereas, like in a lot of countries, 911 isn't reliable, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the police are not a reliable force. It's either your family or you're standing for yourself. And I think when you're in that kind of situation, you're going to be a lot more realistic on, you know, just, just the nature of human beings. Maybe that's why, I don't know if, you, if this is true, but maybe, I don't know. 
I don't know where, what I'm thinking right now, but something involving the government and maybe that's why the natural relationship between men and their government is adversarial. Because it's like, it ain't going to be a threat to women. It's going to be a threat to men. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. I can't say I've read the Federalist Papers, but that's on my list. That's on my reading list. But I like well, a I think lot of the... America back then is very different than America today, don't you think? Like, I would assume yeah, so. they're different, but the values are, I mean, yeah, like a lot of the founders were Christian men. And those are where a lot of the founding and structure of our government comes from. Um, and yeah, you could, it's 250 years ago, but still, I mean, yeah, definitely there were some contradictions at the time, you know, with all the documentation that they wrote, yet not living up to it. But I think eventually the hope was we would live up to the values in the documentation. But I'm and... even talking about, look how we trade today, you know, uh, freedom for security. Like, I don't think the founding fathers ever dreamed that this would come. I think they would they would hate it. Yeah, for sure. And so that's like, what I mean. Like the America, American values of yesterday, I don't, I, I, I'm curious, are they still the same today? Yeah. I would say there are a minority of people who still hold those values and they're losing the battle. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are definitely people out there who want to bring back some of those original values, um, like taxation without representation is a big one. Like, <laughs> like this whole idea, oh my God. They would be rolling in their graves if they saw how much we're taxed these days. Do you remember Boston Tea Party? Yeah, they were they tripping about tariffs on tea. Penny. They yeah. raised it by one penny and they, they were like, nah, this ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but look at today. I mean, yeah. they'll be like, hey, we're going to take 70% uh, uh, of your wages. Are you okay with that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like the income tax was always meant to be temporary for the war mm -hmm. effort. Like that's the nature of government programs. It's like temporary government programs are the longest lasting things ever. Like they never die. That's why it's like so dangerous. You're like, hey, social program, we only need it for this year. Only that's why the COVID thing was dangerous too. It's like, all right, you're gonna give the government all these powers that they're not gonna give up. TSA, yeah. same thing. Like, and then it's like you can explain it to people. I don't know. I don't want to get off on another rant, but yeah, it's just like, yeah. yo, oh, the shit never that. goes away. The shit never goes away, and we pay. And then, like, I fucking hate air travel now. I don't want to deal with the bullshit. <laughs> Like, they've made a mode of transportation that's supposed to be pleasant, that used to be pleasant, into something, into a terrible experience that you... Oh, no, man. It's just... It's just you ever get searched? Uh, let's see. Search... What, like, strip searched? No, no, not that bad. But <laughs> it's funny because, uh, like, uh, every I, I used to get searched almost every time I'd fly. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it was because I was Muslim, but I think it was more because it was water. But they always, so you go through the line, right? And then you have to raise your arms, right? Mm -hmm. And then that little thing whirls and then they bring you out. Yeah. They always find something uh, by my job. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's every time. And, and the thing is, is like, it a compliment? That, that's the thing. At first, I was like, oh, a compliment. But my sister was like, I, it, they always tagged me over there too. And I was like, oh, I think that's just their. Uh, that's just their excuse to search you. Uh, so they're like, they beep you down. There. And I asked another friend and he said, yep, that's exactly where they tagged me. They always tag me on my crotch area. And I was like, that's so weird. 
But I mean, it also makes the most sense, right? Because like, that's probably the loosest area of your clothing, right? Or, or they're perverts. That too. <laughs> that too, 100%. Uh, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, that's fucked up. I don't know. That is basically a Fourth Amendment violation every time you go to the... But I guess it's like a privilege to fly. But, oh, well, no, that's dude. the thing. You, you give it up and TSA has different rules. And it's kind of bullshit, actually. Very bullshit. That's why I told you know, them, oh, I want to be so rich. I told them I want to be so rich that I own a uh, private plane because TSA rules for PJs are not the same. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? I'm sure if a terrorist wanted to, like, they would just rent a private plane. <laughs> like, you, why? You know how they were bringing bricks of cocaine, bro? They would have lawyers stuffing planes with cocaine and flying it back. And, and no uh-huh. one could do anything about it because they can't check the planes. It's like, why do you have these dumbass rules? Yeah, dude. I've learned people can get used to anything, which is very scary. (laughs) And funny at the same time. I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's funny. It's all, you know, if it weren't so tragic, I don't know. I try to see the humor in all this, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) otherwise, it would just be tragic. This is what has become of people. I don't know, man. But I'm trying to change hearts and minds with this content that I post. Hopefully, I make a dent and people start questioning everything. Who do you look up to on a personal level? Uh, like, who's someone that you're like, you know what? I, I weirdly wish enough, I want to be like them. There isn't anyone prominent I look up to. I look up to the fathers of those prominent people. Mm. Yeah. Like Lewis Hamilton's dad. Okay. Like, just hearing him speak and what he. Like Lewis talking about his story about how his dad was like, all right, you might not have the best car, but you will learn how to outbreak everybody. And so everyone's breaking here. He walks a few meters closer to the corner and says, you're going to break here and you're just going to keep doing it until you figure it out. And so that was part of his advantage in racing is that he can break later than everybody else. So he doesn't have to have the fastest car. He can enter the corner faster, carry the speed and exit out. I think Max Verstappen's dad is the same way. Very, very hard on his son. But he made him do things like, all right, yeah, we're going to be racing in the rain. Like, what, what, you think because it's raining, we're not going to be on track practicing? No, we're going to be on. And that, that that's why he has the skill of like being able to feel the wet race in, in wet weather better than most people. And he learns the habits of like, all right, where are the dry spots, where are the wet spots, all that. And he it's intuitive because his dad made him. It's like the fathers are the guys I look up to who, of men who've accomplished things. Like Tiger Woods' dad, same thing. Like you see them all. It's like they had a, a father figure who expected much more of them than maybe even they believed in themselves. So You know, it's so interesting. I, I, I always think about how do you balance pushing your child to realizing their true potential and not pushing them so far that they're like, I freaking hate you. Because you see that too. Right, like where, and you 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 want your child to be great, but maybe they don't care to be, and so instead it just goes that complete opposite direction. You ever think about that? Yeah, so that's the thing. I think for a lot of these dads, they didn't fall into that trap because their sons wanted to do those things. Lewis wants to be a race car driver. Max Verstappen, same thing. Literally, like Max on his spare time when off season. Or when he's at home on the weekends, he's sim racing because he he loves this shit. And so it's yeah. like recognizing like what they actually want to do. And yeah, there is like this um, 
you definitely got to be careful. And I don't know if I'll, if, when I'm in that position, if I'm blessed enough to be in a position where I have a son or daughter or whatever to, to be able to help them achieve something important to them, that I'll get that, that line right where the threshold is of too much versus not enough, you know? I think mm-hmm. I, would lo- I would prefer to lean overboard and then just learn to recognize when to back off when I've pushed too hard. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think Tiger Woods' dad was, when they were training, uh, he would actually yell racial slurs at him and <laughs> at, for, for practice because you have to understand, like, you're a black guy playing a white sport. Like, people are going to talk shit. If the hardest person who ever talked the worst shit to you was your dad, nothing else will phase you. Nothing yeah. else. And I'm sh- I don't know how extreme it got for Tiger, but it can't be as extreme as your dad ye- yelling all these racial slurs at you while you're trying to putt, you know? Like, I was listening to the podcast of the founder of MailChimp, and he was talking about his dad. And I think his dad was like this army guy, but he was very stoic and very quiet man. And what he would do is take this guy, the founder of MailChimp, to, to go fishing. His dad would always take the long way there the scenic route. Mm, mm. And then when they got there, they wouldn't just find the nearest place to, to fish. You would actually tell them we're going to go hike for maybe another 30 minutes, a mile away or something to find the right spot. And they would just hike and carry all this gear with them. The fishing, tackle, all the bait, all that. It was heavy stuff, at least for a small kid. And yet he would make them carry it. And then he, this, this kid would just complain complain all the way but his dad just stayed silent and they would just walk and hike to the spot and every time the kid would fall back and just needed a break his father would just stand there turn and wait until he got the stuff and then they would continue and what he was talking about in this podcast was like look my father i always hated it i was always complaining all the time about like why didn't we go there faster i just want to fish and why do we have to like hike and do all this hardship stuff but it taught him a very important lesson like life is hard Life is hard. Taking the harder path, which his dad always did, prepares you for the challenges you're going to be facing in life. And that's part of the reason why he was able to grow MailChimp, which they ended up selling for like $12 billion. It was all self-funded. They never took any VC money. And they went through a lot of hardship. But that mindset stuck with him because he experienced it as a kid. And I'm just like, that's a really cool dad. I was going to say, that's actually amazing because, you see, I really respect his father his father didn't critique him or like you know yell at him he just stayed quiet and just, just gonna let this kid rest up he's gonna shut his mouth eventually and we're gonna keep going mm-hmm. but i think that's less damaging than you know screaming how horrible you are and then you know what i mean breaking down you know what i mean breaking down someone because i think it's it's tough it's tough to mm-hmm. see somebody especially for a lot of people and they're like i want you to be something and you're not listening and so because you're not listening to the manner and like the potential is so hazardous. Whereas like, if you're just quiet, you just look at them and they're like, I have no idea what this person is thinking. So I'm just going to do what they tell me to, because they're the authority. I feel like that's a little better, mm-hmm. but I don't know. What do you think? Negativity can help sometimes. Like, yeah, you're going to make your kid race in the rain. Yeah. You don't want to do it, but like, that's what you need to do. If you want to be the best or achieve the things you're going to have to make some sacrifice and you're going to have to go through some struggle and pain. And that's just the nature of it. I don't know. Like, I hear some of the stories of, like, this this guy, Max Verstappen, and there was one TikTok of Max talking about how they used to have these, like, neck pads 
for race car drivers. And his neck was getting tired after like a long session or whatever. And he was about to wear it. And his dad was like, really? You're going to use this pussy pad? (laughs) 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 And then since then, he was like, no, I'm not going to do this. But it also forces you to have a strong neck, which is part of racing. He was in the junior series. So if you want to upgrade, you you definitely got to get physically there prepared for faster cars and higher G-loads. But I don't know. It's like... There is, I can definitely see some people saying it's a bit too extreme, a lot of these fathers and what they do, but I mean, you can't deny the products of that, of what they did. Like their kids are the pinnacle of these things. So it's so funny you say the the pussy bad thing, because I'm just remembering we had a football coach. So, you know, the squat rack, you know how there's like a, so when you lay the squat rack on your back, right on your shoulders, Mm -hmm. it hurts the back of your neck, especially if you're, if you're not doing it properly. If you're not yeah. sitting on it properly, because a lot of people don't, because when you actually put it on your traps properly, it, it's a little scary because you feel like, how are my traps holding it up? But people use this, uh, it's like a foam uh, padding. Have you seen that? Yeah. Okay, so our coach used to be like, no one's allowed to wear the tampon. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he used to be like, you can't put on the tampon. So I actually never use that thing. And whenever somebody would even ask me that, I'm like, I'm not using the tampon. Like in my mind to this day, I'm like, I'm not using the tampon. And it's so funny because like, I don't know if it made me a better squatter or not. Back when I used to squat, I used to squat a lot of weight, but uh, it's just, it's that I resonated with that story that you, that you just said about how that was like, you're really going to use the pussy pad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Some people say it's like, oh, that's very negative. He was in pain, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. I mean, like, learn how to do it without the assistance, you know? And that's what I'm saying. Like, what's that balance? You know, like, for example, I I don't think the tampon thing was damaging to me. I don't Mm -hmm. feel traumatized by that. And I've had real trauma experiences, so I'm I'm not negating trauma as, like, a whole thing. But I'm just saying, like, when the coach was like, yo, don't use a tampon, that didn't traumatize me. And, like, Oh yeah, like now, you know, I don't, I hate squatting, you know, mm. but like, what's that balance, I guess. And it, yeah. it's, it's varies person to person, right? Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting. Like, I don't know when I'm in that situation. I don't know. Like if I'll, maybe that's where maybe a mother comes in to re- help you recognize maybe when you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Like, but also I can understand women being way too supportive and making kids too soft, which Maybe for a daughter it might be fine, but for a son, I don't think it's appropriate at all. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the situation is going to look like, but like, I don't know, Bilal. Like, I, I think I don't know if this is a good example, but remember you were in college and you were asking me for help for like physics homework or engineering homework, whatever. And I'm like, I can't help you because this is college. This is what you're supposed to figure out. This is the nature of the work. I mean, yeah. So. I feel like eventually, I, I don't know, I hope I make the right decisions when I do, or, and maybe don't go too extreme, but I'd rather err on the side of too much versus too little, because at least they'll be more prepared. And if that ruins my relationship with them, I can accept that because it's not my job to like be friends or friendly. Job is to help them achieve the things that they want and become a decent person functioning in this world. And I think that's... It's a job first. And if you can have a great relationship, that's even better. But I feel like that's cherry on the top. It's a responsibility, first of all. So that would be, but I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, I'll let you know when I when I have a son <laughs> how it actually is going to be. This is your first winter in Texas, right, below? Yeah, but you know I have windbreaker, so it makes a huge mm. difference. Yeah, but yeah. I don't feel cold with my windbreaker. Mm. My face feels cold. Yeah, cold you can get a balaclava. I don't think it's gonna be a problem either, cause like the whole mask thing with COVID. I don't think anyone's. Yeah. Cool. Uh, maybe gonna, not get I'm a black one. Uh, get a a red or what's a what's a non-threatening balaclava color? <laughs> I think you're gonna need like a neon. Neon green, you think that's safe? <laughs> I, I'm thinking you might need to have a print of unicorns on it or something. And people are like, there's no way a guy's robbing us with unicorn print balaclava on. No way. Which would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be a funny video. <laughs> Yo, you just walk into a. Nah, I wouldn't even fuck around with that idea. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I used to work at this convenience uh, store, and this dude just got out of jail. And uh, he was like, he kept coming back in, kept getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And he left. And I guess he fake robbed the store. But the cashier, his name was Monster. But the cat, because he's like a 6'4 Samoan dude, he's huge. And uh, the cashier did it. Like, he just kept getting more aggressive. He, he literally just got out of jail. And he just kept getting more and more aggressive as he came in, but he was playing around. And so when I left, apparently the cashier was like, he threatened to rob the whole store. And he told everybody, put their hands up, and he had a mask on. And then he was like, oh, I'm just playing with you guys, but it's too late. And he pressed the panic button. And uh, when he came out, he got arrested and taken back to jail. Damn. <laughs> what the fuck? Some people, dude. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, I think he had done like five years too, five or seven years. And it's like, bro, you're about to go to jail for, cause he pretended like he was on play. Yeah. <laughs> you're about to go to jail for your parole. But anyway, when you said that when you were going to play a prank, I was like, oh man, this reminded me of that story. Yeah, definitely not. Staying away for that for sure. Yeah. <laughs>